remember when finances was easy? Do you remember when one of these was all you needed and it was just like, I got myself a piggy bank, I'm going to put some stuff in there, and then like you're never allowed to open it? Like anybody remember that? Anybody? I'm telling you, remember when finances, aka our piggy bank, was easy? And I, in case you guys haven't heard, by the way, I don't know, but there's, there's apparently there's like some sort of economic something going on out there. I don't, anybody? I don't know. <laughs> the reality is there are a lot of us who know firsthand, don't we? That piggy ain't in a good state. Not only our piggies, but like the nation's piggy, it ain't in a good state, is it? My English teacher mom is not going to like that I'm using the word ain't, but there are just some times, mom, you just got to say ain't. It's just the reality of where we're at, right? No, all joking aside, all joking aside, the financial state of our nation is, is not good. And, and of our region of the country particularly is is stressful, and apparently, according to the experts, whoever they are, they tell us it's not going to get any better anytime, anytime soon. So I guess, what are, we, what are we supposed to do about this? What do we do about the nation's piggy bank? What do we do about our piggy bank? I mean, I, I guess we've got a few options. Number one would be to, to stick our head in the sand, to put piggy in a dark closet, and just pretend that all of this is happening at all, and just try and wait it out and hope it all goes away. Uh, another option, I think, would be to throw Piggy on the floor, just lay down and die, and just give up everything, and including hope. But see, I think there's a third option for us, that in light of the economic situation that we find ourselves in our country, that the third option for us, and certainly for those of us who are followers of Jesus, is to to dig in, to get gut-level honest, and begin to find out what God has to say about our about our piggy banks. Because see, here's the reality. There is nothing in and of ourselves, so to speak, on an individual level that we can do to heal the nation's piggy bank. I mean, no amount of worry, no amount of fear, no amount of stress or, or any of that is going to be able to, to fix our nation's piggy bank. So the only piggy bank we can do anything about is our own, isn't it? Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're going, oh, no. I've been inviting this person for three months, and they finally came to church. Don't do it, Matt. <laughs> Tell me we're not talking about money. <sighs> Some of you already, you have already looked at that friend that you invited to church today, and you're like, I'm sorry. Haven't you? Well, listen, here's the deal. I understand that the reality is there are a whole bunch of us who have been burned by churches who talk about money and who use the Bible to manipulate us and to beat us over the head and to pressure us. And I hope that before you go putting your wall up, if that's you, I hope that you will give me a few minutes today because for the next few weeks as we move through this piggy bank series I think that what you're going to discover is that that when we look into the Bible and the Bible has a ton to say about our finances and our possessions that when we look in here that what we find out is that this is not a heavy thing that we're not going to leave here feeling heavy we're actually going to feel here leave here feeling freedom every single week so before you put your wall up I hope that you will you will give me a couple of minutes and because see the Bible has so much to say 
about our personal finances and our possessions, did did you realize that 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus have to do with money and our possessions? Did you know that there are over 500 verses in the Bible on prayer? There are over 500 verses in the Bible on faith, but there are over 2,000 verses in here on finances and our possessions. See, What we're going to discover over the next few weeks of this series is that this book, the Bible, has some pretty incredible things to say about our piggy banks. So before you shut me out, I hope that you'll at least give it a try. There there were two guys who were were going back to a class reunion, and... um, they got to the class reunion, and the one guy, he, he had the Midas touch. I mean, everything, everything this guy touched turned to gold. I mean, you just, you talk about everything. But then the other guy, he, he was not so well off, and he struggled financially. And so they get to this class reunion, and they're talking, and they're catching up, you know. And so the, um, the, the non-Midas touch guy looks at the other guy, and he says, you know, how do you do it? What's, you know, what's the secret? And basically the Midas touch guy said, well, here's, here's what I figured out. I figured out that the Bible has some pretty amazing things to say about my finances. And so I just started to, you know, just pick up the Bible a few years ago. And I said, okay, God, you know, I need you to speak to me. And so he kind of did the kamikaze thing, which we don't really preach around here, which is you just kind of shut your eyes and put your finger in. And I put my finger in and it said oil. So I bought oil. And it went to $4 a gallon and away I went. And I had more money than I knew what to do with. So then a few months later, I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, speak to me again. And he put his finger in and it said gold. And sure enough, gold went through the roof. And, I, you know, I, I've been blessed. So this, this poor guy is sitting there at the class reunion. And he gets done and he goes back to the hotel. And he's thinking about it, you know. And he's like, well, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a try. So he reaches in to the drawer and gets out the Gideon Bible. He says, okay, God, you know, speak to me. And he flips it open and he puts his finger in and it says chapter 11. care where you're from that's funny that's funny i'm just saying i'm just saying so so here's the here's the question okay in light of of the economic situation in the world around us where do we start well this morning part one we're talking about first things first and as we begin our series called piggy bank the first thing we've got to talk about is tithing no matt no 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 matt no please don't no matt don't and I can already hear some of you right now. You're, you're like, come on, honey, get the kids. Let's go. Let's go. Listen, uh, uh, let me just say again. If you've come from a background where people who do what I do have manipulated you or pressured you or abused you in the name of tithing, in the name of God, I want to start our series this morning by simply saying to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that someone would use the word of God to manipulate you or to pressure you or to, to somehow push you, bully you into thinking that this whole tithing thing is somehow pressure. And I hope that you'll see here in the next few minutes as we look in God's word that this principle of tithing, when it began, when God set this whole whole 
putting God first thing, the first 10% thing in place, that he was actually doing it not, again, for guilt or manipulation or pressure purposes, but God was actually doing it to, to bring freedom on people. Because, see, as we study the Bible, what we discover is, and if you're taking notes there in your bulletin, here's the first one. God wants to be number one in our lives. The God we serve wants to be first in our life, not number two, not number three. See, here's the thing. Our relationship with God was never meant to be casual. I mean, some of us can relate to, the, to, to this, that, that we've been coming to the next level for a few months, and it's cool, and, and we like what's going on here. But in terms of our relationship with God, we're kind of like banking on the fact that, well, I'm going to church more than I used to. I'm going to church more than that guy. Must be worth something. Listen, no, no, that's not what a relationship with God is all about. See, God wants to be number one in every area of our life. He wants to be number one in our life. By his very nature, God must be number one. That's why the first commandment he gave to Moses when he came down from, from the mountain in the, the Exodus chapter 20, he said what? He said, you shall have no other gods before me. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. He, he articulates it again in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he, he tells Moses, do not follow other gods. Look at this part. The gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Now, what does that mean? It means this. God is saying to Moses, listen, tell the people don't go getting your eyes on the gods, little g gods, of all of the people around you, the God of materialism, the God of possessions, the God of greed, the God of power. He said, don't, don't go serving those other gods because the God who's among you, your God, is a jealous God. Now, what does that mean? It basically means that he has a desire for exclusivity. He wants to be number one. Imagine if you had a friend who, who all your life told you that they're your best friend. But every time something happened big in their life, they didn't call you. So they have a baby and you're like, wow, didn't even know. How would you feel? I mean, after a while, if every time something good happened or something bad happened, the first person they called wasn't you. Well, that'd be horrible. Wives, how would you feel if your husband walked in and said, honey, I've been thinking about it. And there are over three billion women on the planet today. And I just got to let you know you're number two. No, no, this is good news, good news, three billion. You're number two. Well, of course, wives, how would you feel? The answer there is horrible, right? There's a story of an old couple that was sitting on their porch, and <clears throat> they're just thinking about stuff and waving at people as they walk by, and the, the wife turns to the husband. She said, honey, if I died, would you get remarried? My husband's like, oh, no, I can't win. This is not going to work. You know, so he kind of starts him hawing around a little bit, and he's like, well, you know, I mean, I'd be lonely. And he says, yeah, probably. And the wife goes, well, would you, would you live in our house? And he's like, oh, you know, it'd be hard to sell the house and to move, probably. Well, would you sleep in our bed? well, I mean, if, if you died and I got remarried and we'd stayed in the house, I mean, to get the other bed out and the new bed, it would just be complicated, it'd just be hard. Yeah, yeah, we probably would. So the wife is sitting there and she goes, well, if I died and you got remarried, would she use my golf clubs? And the husband turns and he goes, well, no. 
And the wife gets a surprised look on her face, and she said, well, why not? And the husband goes, because she's left-handed. <laughs> Again, that's funny. I, <laughs> I'm just saying. See, here's the thing about my comedy. I'm a storyteller, not a joke teller. So trying to, like, deliver these punchlines and then just be straight-faced, I can't do it. My, my humor is all about the goofy stuff that happens to me, and I just kind of let everybody in on it. And so to tell jokes, you just, I, just, I, I give away the punchline because that's funny. Here's the thing, though. Some of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, have a left-handed girlfriend. Right here. And we, we're trying to trick God. We're trying to trick ourselves. We're trying to trick other people into believing that God's number one and we've been coming to church more and I like the coffee and the worship team is awesome and, and I put my kids in and I'm even serving once a month in an area or once a uh, God, obviously you're number one. But the reality is if you truly look in your life, you realize you've got a left-handed girlfriend. See, God wants to be number one in our life. And until we get that squared away, we will never experience the full blessing of God on our personal finances. Here's a second principle I want to throw at us today, and it's this. The first has the power to bless the rest. We have to understand if we're going to deal with our piggy bank and get our personal finances squared away, we have to understand that the first has the power to bless the rest. Now, here's the thing. This is not just a money principle that I want to introduce to you today. This is an all-of-life principle. See, when you go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 13, which if you have your Bible, you can turn there because we're going to land there for, for the remainder of our time. In Exodus chapter 13, let me set the stage. The children of Israel, the people of God, have been in slavery in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years. So God raises up Moses. He goes to Pharaoh. Some of us know this story. We heard it in Sunday school when we were a kid with a flannel graph. And Moses goes before Pharaoh, and he says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, oh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, 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 no. And finally, then God sends these ten plagues, the whole deal. Some of you are like... I think I recognize that tune. I didn't even know that came out of the book of Exodus. It didn't. <laughs> Pharaoh, Pharaoh, get it? Oh, let my people go. Not, yeah, yeah, never mind. <laughs> come on, come on. Okay, so Moses finally, God sends the plagues, the whole deal. Pharaoh's like, just get out of here. And he lets Moses and the people of God go. So they take off on this pilgrimage, some two million of them strong or whatever. They, God parts the waters. They go through the sea. They get on the other side. The Egyptian army comes in. The waters collapse, destroys the army. And the first thing God says to them when they get on the other side in the land of freedom, the first thing is right here in Exodus 13. And Charlton Heston was there. It was cool. The whole deal. <laughs> so God sets it up and he says to them, check this out. Look, the first thing you need to know if you're going to be your own people and live in freedom is this, Moses. Look, verse, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate, which means set apart or dedicate, to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. And then if you zoom ahead to verse 12, look at what it says. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. And then look at this. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn 
donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. So watch this. Children of Israel have been slaves for hundreds of years. God miraculously delivers them, and they get out on their own, and the first thing God says to them is, I want to teach you the principle that the first has the power to bless the rest. Now that you're free, you need to understand that if you'll give me the first, I will take care of the rest. And he breaks it down into two categories, clean and unclean. Did you see there where it talked about redeem the lamb? To use a, uh, use a lamb to redeem the unclean donkey? Well, lambs were considered clean in their culture. Donkeys were considered unclean. And so God speaks to him and he basically says, you must redeem with the first of a lamb to redeem that which is unclean, the donkey. And if you don't, break the donkey's neck. It's out. Disqualified. My blessing can't be on it. So God sets in place this idea, which is, which is totally the same thing as salvation, isn't it? That we, because of our sinfulness, are unclean. But the Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn to redeem fallen sinful mankind. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to redeem us. The first, Jesus, has the power to bless the rest. And see, when we give God the first, it has the power to bless the rest. When it comes to our personal finances, here's what we have to understand. This is a team sport. And the team is us and God. God is on our team. He wants to be a part of the financial zones of our life. But it's up to us to invite him in. And see, when we put him first, he blesses the rest. See, the purpose of tithing is, is not some guilt and manipulation and pressure thing. No, it's to teach us to always put God first in our lives. And this is not just a money thing. We do this here at Next Level Church. That's why we started this year by dedicating the first Monday of every month, the first work day of every month, as a day of prayer and fasting where we set that time aside and we say, God, we are giving you the first part of our month and asking you to bless the rest of our month. That's why so many of us give God the first part of our day when we soap and we read the Bible. Like with me, I, I read the Bible right at the beginning. Here's a great question. What are you giving the first part of your day to? CNN? Fox News? Good Morning America? Today's show? Matt and Meredith, Alan Ann? Listen, Matt and Meredith, Alan Ann are, are cool and they're powerful. But they don't have the power to bless your life. They can't bless your day. See, that's why so many of us start our day with the word of God because we're saying, God, I'm giving you the first and asking you to bless the rest. We do this every week. Sunday's the first day of the week. So what do we do? We come in here. We give God the first and ask him to bless the rest. And we do it with worship songs. Rather than being out in the foyer when church starts at 1045 or 9 o'clock and drinking coffee or walking in or checking the kids in, the first worship song, we give that to God and we say, God, bless the rest. That's, see, there's power in this principle. But again, this is not a legalistic thing. This isn't about guilt. This is about recognizing that God wants to be number one. It's not legal. It's relational. And it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Remember? 
And God said to them, of all of the other trees in the garden, you can eat from. But the one, the one, don't touch it. Adam and Eve's kids, Cain and Abel, the first two children of Adam and Eve, Listen to this. In Genesis 4, look at what it says. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So Abel was a rancher. His brother Cain was a farmer. Look at this part. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Why? Why did God look at Abel and say, I will bless that, and look at Cain and say, I won't bless that? Because, because Abel brought some of his firstborn, and Cain, did you see the phrase in there that it said, in the course of time? When, when he got around to it, he brought God an offering, and God said, no, there's power in the principle that when you honor me first, I have the ability to bless the rest. And see, the first one that we give ourselves to has the power to bless the rest. So the question for us then, financially, is what are you giving to first? Because whatever that is, you're asking that to bless the rest. So is that your mortgage company? I don't know about you. I don't want the bank trying to be my blessing. Is that Ford Motor Company? Is that Target? Is that Public? See, what are we putting first? Because as we study Scripture, we recognize that there is a principle that when we put God first, he has the power to bless the rest. But here's the reality, and we know this is true. This is a faith thing, isn't it? This is a faith principle. Because see, when you give to God first, you don't know if he's going to be able to take care of the rest of the needs on the other 90%. Do we? It's faith. There's, there's a story in Joshua chapter 2 where God speaks to Joshua, who's leading the, the army of God at that time, and he said, Joshua, I'm going to allow you to take over and conquer 10 cities. But the first city you take over, Jericho, that uh, everything you take, all the treasure, all the spoil, all the stuff that you gather in the city of Jericho, when you take it over, the first one belongs to me. Now here's the thing, for you and I, we read that and we're like, oh yeah, that's cool. But we have to understand that Joshua had an entire army of people that he was responsible for, that he had to provide for, that he had to feed, that he had to clothe. And so when God says, I want you to give me the first one, listen, in Joshua's mind, there's no guarantee that you're going to win the next nine battles. There's no guarantee that you're going to keep winning. So it was a step of faith for Joshua to say, okay, God, everything in Jericho belongs to you. We give that to you. We put you first, and we believe that you're going to bless the rest. I can't help but rewind seven years ago and think back to when Sarah and I moved here from Indiana. And we had $9,000 and nothing else. And from pre-day one of starting Next Level Church, we made a commitment and a dedication and we said, God, we're going to tithe. We, as an organization, are going to put you first. And so everything that would come in, the first 10%, we would write a check right off the top to missions. And so for us, giving away from ourselves with the tithe, that was missions and church planting. And now, seven years later, we didn't know. We didn't know if it was going to be enough. We didn't know when we wrote that $43 check 
as a tithe and gave away from ourselves. We could have used that. God knows we had needs in the early days, but instead we said, no, we believe there is a principle that when you put God first, he provides. And seven years later, you heard me say a couple weeks ago at Vision Sunday, to date, because of our tithing, we've given over $300,000 to missions and church planting. And tomorrow morning, we'll do it again. When the office counts up the offerings from today, the first check we'll write will go straight to our missions fund, to missions and church planting, because we believe that when you put God first, it has the power to bless the rest. Proverbs chapter 3 says it this way, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Then you'll be blessed. Honor the Lord with your first fruits. Then you'll experience the full blessing of God. Now, I know what some of you are probably thinking because you're sitting here going, yeah, Matt, that's great and all, but you're the pastor, dude. I would challenge you, if you feel that way, I would challenge you to find others who are living by this God-first principle. In 1905, J.D. Rockefeller gave over $100 million to kingdom causes in, in 1905. And during an interview, someone was interviewing him and they asked him the question, what's the secret? What's the secret to your great wealth? And you know what he said? Listen to this. He said, I learned the principle that if I put God first, he'll take care of the rest. J.D. Rockefeller. Uh, Sarah and I were in Miami the first of the week at a conference with about 30 pastors over there. And at the end of one of the sessions, at the, the last session of the night, we were just kind of debriefing the stuff on Tuesday night. And this guy stood up who's a businessman from Sacramento, California. And he starts to share, and, and he said, I, I moved to Miami to be a part of this ministry that's touching thousands of people over there. It's incredible. He said, I felt like God wanted me to leave Sacramento and move to Miami to be a part of this, this work, this church. But he still owns 1.5 million square feet of commercial rental property. And, and I don't know what you think about this theologically, but I dig his faith. So listen to this. He says, this is Tuesday night, he says, all of the buildings around mine in Sacramento have over 50% vacancy right now. My building is completely full, 100% occupancy, and not one of the businesses that rents from me is late on their payments. So he's like, I just believe it's the blessing of God. So check this out. And again, I don't, I don't know, but you go with it. January 1, he's supposed to raise the rent on all of his tenants. So he writes them a letter, and he, he says to them, Dear tenant, I want you to know that I'm supposed to be raising your rent right now. But because of the economy, I'm not going to. But here's what I want you to know. The reason your business is blessed is because you rent from me. <laughs> I'm telling you. Come on, let it stretch you. He says, I'm a part of a worldwide ministry in Miami, Florida that is impacting thousands and thousands of lives. And I want you to know that the reason you're blessed is because of me, because I'm supplying and putting God first in this ministry here. So he writes to them and he says, listen, as long as you stay current on your rent... Your business will continue to be prosperous and successful. 
But don't get behind. Don't be late. You can be late on every other bill. Do not be late on this because the blessing of God is on us. Now, again, I don't even know how I feel about that theologically, but I dig that guy's faith. Listen, here's the thing. You can talk to people in this church, and believe me, after first service, I had people standing in line to tell me stories. We got people who are in industries that are tanking right now, who are just saying to me, Pastor Matt, you don't understand. We're up 38% over last year. We're up 40% over last year. Guys, what is that? That is the blessing of God. They say, they say to me, we understand what God is doing at next level, and we're a part of that, and we've committed to put God first, and God is blessing us. Right here, right here. I had story after story after first service of people who are living this principle of God first in our finances, and God takes care and blesses the rest. Malachi chapter 3 says it this way. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then listen to this. God barely ever in the word of God tells us to test him. But this is one of the few times in all of scripture where God says to his people, test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Look at this. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. Listen. Is it possible that God wants to prove to his people that his principles still work even in a down economy. Now listen, I recognize we've got a lot of really young Christians in our church and people who have been, been burned by church and de-churched for a long, long time or have never even been into God. And so I don't want us to just gloss over what I'm saying right now. Let, let this stretch you guys. What if it's true? What if it's true that when we put God first, he can provide? That God can do with 90% what we can't do with 100%? What if that's true? What if it's true? What if the Christians who put God first are the ones who are going to be sustained through this. And again, don't, don't, just, don't just blow it off. Let it stretch your faith, guys. Come on, let it stretch your faith. You see, when it comes to our piggy bank, we got to know that it's a matter of the heart. This is not legalism. This is not guilt or obligation. This is relationship. And see, when we go back to Exodus chapter 13, when God says, put me first and I'll bless the rest, he goes on in verse 14. Look at this. And look what he says. In those days to come, God is speaking to Moses, when your children ask you, what does this mean? Say to them, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first 
male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. God knew. God knew that a few generations later, you know what would happen? The kids would look up and they'd go, Mom, Dad, why are you slaughtering the first little lamb that comes out? Why are you doing that? Couldn't we use that? I mean, why, why are you... Why are you sacrificing to the, to the Lord? Mom, Dad, why, why are you writing the tithe check? That's a lot of money, 10% every time you get paid. Why are you doing that? See, God knew that there would come a day in the future where our kids would look to us and they would say, what is up with this whole tithing thing? It doesn't make sense in my head. And so God says, Moses, here's what you tell them. You tell them, son, a long time ago, your mom and I weren't ranchers. A long time ago, your mom and I weren't farmers. Like, you see, a long time ago, our family didn't have all of this. We were slaves. Slaves in Egypt. But see, a long time ago, God delivered us from our slavery and brought us into life. And when your child asks you, you tell them, God says, the reason we give to God first is not out of guilt. It's not out of manipulation. It's not out of pressure. It's out of absolute gratitude that once we were lost, but now we're found. Once we were blind, but now we can see. Once we were slaves to sin, but thanks be to God through Jesus, we have forgiveness of sin. So son, why do we give God to, to God first? Why do we do this? Because it's a joy and a privilege. And when I reflect and think about all that God has done for us, I can't not put God first. So I guess there's two challenge questions for us today. Question number one is, is God number one in your life? Because it all starts there. It all, it all starts with us coming across that line of faith and saying, God, I recognize that as long as I'm number one or as long as she's number one or as long as my job's number one or my piggy bank is number one, it's not going to work. So I think the question we've got to wrestle with today is, is God truly number one in our life? But the second question for us then is, is God number one in our finances? See, the first has the power to bless the rest. When we make God number one in our finances, it has the power to bless the rest. So I want to challenge you today, and you've maybe heard me give this challenge before, to take the 60-day challenge on this tithing thing, on putting God first. Take the 60-day challenge. From here, it's about 60 days to Easter, April the 12th. For the next two months, I challenge you to put God first, number one, in your finances. Before everything else, not knowing if he'll supply with the other 90%, before all of that, put God first, number one, in your finances and say, okay, God, I am putting you first and I am expecting and asking you as my teammate to bless the rest. I'm challenging you. And again, maybe some of you, you've never done this and this is a huge step of faith. Absolutely, but I just gotta let you know we will never get this area right in our life completely until God is first. 
That's how we invite the full measure and blessing of God on our finances. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, yeah, man, but what if it doesn't work? I challenge you, talk to someone who's put God first in their finances and they, they'll, they'll be in line waiting to talk to me. You just grab somebody afterwards because they'll tell you the story. The story of a guy who last Sunday woke up, looked at his checking account and said, there's not enough. He's been a tither all his life and said, ah, and he hesitated to write his tithe check. And then he came to his senses. He said, what am I doing? And and he wrote it out and brought it to church second service last week and he gave the offer. He went home and opened the mail and there were two checks totaling $3,000. And and, and, believe me, this is not God is a big slot machine and we give and he gets back. No, 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 no. All I'm saying is this. We serve a God who is able to exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine bless and provide all of our needs. And I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you. Take the 60-day challenge. What do you have to lose? If you're not making it now, 60 days from now, you'll just be 10% less making it. I promise you. Money back guarantee. Right now. Money back. Guarantee. You give to God for 60 days. If it doesn't work, on Easter Sunday, you find me. And you say, I don't like it. God didn't bless me. God, didn't, God it's not what I thought. We'll write you a check. You know why? Because it works. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. When you invite God in and you put him first, he will bless the rest. I want us to have a word of prayer this morning. And God, right now, all across this room, and Lord, even those listening over the internet or by CD or watching over the internet, God, right now, Lord, we just pray for every person listening that, God, you would provide. God, we look around at the economy around us and we go, Lord, this is just scary. But Lord, you've not called us to live a life of fear. You've called us to live a life of of faith. And when it comes to our personal finances, God, faith means that we put you first. So Father, right now across this room, Lord, we just make a dedication. Lord, we cross that line in our hearts. Lord, so many of us who are right here, who are wrestling right now, are we going to put God first with the first 10% and bring it to the storehouse? Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us the courage and the boldness. And then, God, I pray for miracles. Lord, you see people who have lost their jobs this week or this month. Lord, you see people who are weighing over their heads. And, God, they're looking on going, I don't have any idea how this is going to work. It's not going to happen. We're going under. God, you show up. God, we know that you can supply all of our needs. God, we know that you're our provider. God, would you raise our level of faith, God, that the world may look on and go, what a delightful group of people. What what an amazing group of people. How is it that God is blessing your life? And you can say, God, it's all the glory to you, Lord. It's all the glory to you. God, would you stretch us in this regard? Because, Lord, we, we, we can't even imagine what you're capable of doing when we get out of the way. We let you go first in our lives. Father, for that person who's here today who's never come across that line of faith in their heart, that they've been letting themselves be number one or their goals and ambitions be number one or they've been letting 
some relationship being number one or their job or their career, their knowledge. But Jesus, today we recognize that without you, we can do nothing. So Father, I pray for that person who's here today, God, that they would just come across that line. Lord, we just acknowledge that going our own way is sin. We believe you, Jesus, were that clean thing that gave yourself so that we, the unclean thing, could be forgiven. Jesus, we just confess our sin to you, Lord, right now in this moment. We just confess our sin. We ask you to forgive us, and we ask you to help us to start this new relationship with you. We want to live our life according to your word. We want you to be number one in all things. Jesus, thank you for showing up today. Thank you, God, that we don't have to put our piggy bank in a closet. We don't have to smash our piggy bank, God. We can have hope when it comes to our personal finances because you, Jesus, are number one. And all across this room, everybody said,